But what I loved about that car is this, is I could open up the hood and I could, I could look in and I knew what I was looking at. I knew where the air cleaner was, understood uh, the carburetor. In fact, I replaced the carburetor. I had pulled the engine out of the car and I put a new engine in. I'll tell you, I look underneath the hood of a car today, I cannot find the air filter. I know it has one. And I have a car, my, my car's in the shop, and the loaner they gave me, uh, I'm driving as a loaner a Tesla. I don't know how you get a Tesla as a loaner, but I'm driving this Tesla around. So if you're a visitor today, and you, when we leave at the end of the day, you see the pastor of this church getting into a Tesla, I don't normally, that's not normally how I roll, okay? I drive a decent car, but I don't normally drive a Tesla. And if you, if you open up the hood of this car, there's no engine. There's, there's no button to turn the car on. There's no button to turn the car off. You just get out of the car and walk away, which sounds really cool. It sounds like real George Jetson in Space, space Age, right? But let me tell you something. The other day, it freaked out, and the handles, get, when, when you're not opening the door, the, the handles, they kind of suck into the door because it's very aerodynamic. But the, the handle sucked into the door when it wasn't supposed to, and my hand stuck in the door, and I'm like, car, seriously, you demon-possessed car, let go of me. And so I thought, I need to look at the manual to figure this thing out. By the way, if you own stock in Tesla, God love you. I, seriously, I, do, I think the car is of the devil. And, uh, but but, it is, but it is, it's crazy fast. I, I will tell you, it's like driving a roller coaster. But I looked and then I said, I said we're, we're, so I had this loaner vehicle, there's no manual with it. There's no manual. And Things at times are difficult to understand without the manual. You know, when I was a little kid, life was pretty simple. It really was. I, I understood, get up, eat breakfast, go to school, come home, play. Street lights come on, I'm supposed to be home, dinner, take a bath, get ready for bed, get up the next morning, repeat. I understood it. Man, when I get in, got into my adolescent years, life got more complicated. And then into adulthood, it got crazy complicated. I don't know how you would do this thing called life without a good owner's manual. And what I love is this, is God has given you an incredible owner's manual. He's given us an incredible owner's manual. And if we follow, if we follow what it tells us in this book, it's amazing how life works. And if we want to know where to start, where to start in this, in this incredible handbook, this incredible owner's manual we have, we can start with what Jesus said was the most important thing. In three of the four Gospels, Jesus answers the question, what is the most important thing in life? What's the most important commandment? And what he does, he quotes a portion of Scripture from much earlier in the owner's manual, much earlier in the book, from the book of Deuteronomy. And he says this, here's the most important thing to remember. By the way, if you remember this, everything else works out. Love God with all your heart. Because it starts with the heart, doesn't it? Love God with all your soul. And when God captures your heart, what you'll find is this. When God captures your heart, it's going to affect you at soul level. It's really important to understand that because it's easy for me to find myself in an emotional environment. In fact, some people will gravitate towards church and, and even particularly this flavor of church because they love the emotional environment. But what they do is they go from emotional moment to emotional moment, never really truly 
falling in love with Jesus. Because when you fall in love with Jesus, it doesn't just affect your heart, it'll affect you to the depth of your soul. And then what it does is it will influence the activity of your life and it will influence the disposition of your mind. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And that's what we're called to do. And we're called to do this with a, with a sense of dependency on God and a sense of fervency in our life. How do we know that? Because we find this, this scripture in Revelation chapter 3. And, and this scripture passage is going to be kind of our kind of our basis point for the, the next four weeks together. And here's what it says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. It says, I know your deeds. I know your deeds. I, I, I watch the activity of your day. I understand the disposition of your life. I know your deeds. And, and I know that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. And in this, in, this, in this revelatory statement written by John under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Jesus speaks and he says this, because you are neither hot nor cold, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to spew you out. You're going to be disconnected from the body. See, God designed us, friends, to live our life with a sense of fervency to it. He, he, he designed us to live our life with a sense of expectation to it. This, this life in God is something we are to be actively engaged in. And I believe this. I believe that God is speaking to the church in America. I believe that God is speaking to the church in Florida. I believe that God is speaking to the church in Orlando. I believe that God is speaking to Calvary. I believe that God is speaking to you. And he's brought you here this morning to bring a prophetic word to you and to say it is time in your life for you to, maybe for the first time, or maybe to once again, it's time for you to turn up the heat. It's time for you to turn up the heat. And if we were to be honest, our, the, the level of our engagement with the Lord, it's average. The disposition of our worship, average. Our prayer time, average. Our witness to the world around us, average. Our willingness to be obedient to God as what he relates regarding stewardship, average. And friend, I'm not here to put you on blast this morning. I'm not here to bring any condemnation today. But I am here because I believe that God has brought you to this place at this moment. God has you watching via live stream right now because he's saying it's time for you to get off your couch and get into the game. It's where we're supposed to live our life. And I wonder, I wonder what, I wonder what this, this city that we live in, I wonder what, I wonder what it would be like if a church as a body said we're going we're gonna to turn up that spiritual temperature because here's what I know I know this, I know 120 people changed the course of history I know that 12 individuals 
change the trajectory of the church. I know that one man impacted the identity of a nation. And God has brought you here this morning to say, what's it going to be for you? Hot or cold? Hot or cold? You know, we all want the same thing. We really do. We all, we all want the same thing, right? Here's, here's what we want. We want to live with some degree of security, right? We all want to make a good living. Is that true? Anybody here aspiring to poverty? I didn't think so, right? So we all want to do that. We all want to make a good living. We, we also, we all want to achieve some degree of success. Wouldn't you agree with that? I, I'd, like to be, I'd like to be successful in what I do. I, I, I'd like to... Uh, I'd like to be thought well of in the activity of my day. I, I would like for uh, my neighbors to think I'm a reasonably okay person. We, uh, we all want our life to matter. For there to be some significance in our life. And we, we come to this understanding it's, it's undeniable that we're, we're, we're relational beings. And so we want to have people that we can do life with. And, and we want to have good, good relationship. Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to do this with me. Uh, take your Bible, and I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. So if you've got a paper Bible, by the way, I love paper Bibles because you can write in the margins and I just, I just love the idea of a paper Bible. But Genesis, um, if you're not real familiar with this book, Genesis should be super easy for you to find, right? There are some times when you go in church and, and the pastor asks you to turn to Lamentations and you're like, okay, I don't, I don't quite know where that is and I don't want the person next to me to see that it's taking me a long time to find it, right? So I'm just going to turn to a random page and make it look like I'm at Lamentations, you don't have to do that this morning. Genesis, man, it's right at the very beginning. You go past the table of contents, you're going to find Genesis right there. Genesis. In Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, I want you to notice, here's what, here's what, here's what God says uh, to, to, to Abraham. Uh, at, at this point, um, he's still known as Abram. Okay, his name, his name has not been changed. And God says this to, to Abram. He says, it says in Genesis 12, 1, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Four times, four times God says to Abraham, I will. And what God says is this. He says, listen, that which everybody, what everybody wants in their life. Abraham, it, as you walk in obedience, as you walk in faith, Abraham, that which everybody wants, I will give to you. Okay? He says, I will show you the land, I will make you a great nation, I will bless you, I will, and make your name great, I will bless those who bless you, and curse those who curse you. We all want to make a good living. He says, I will show you the land, I will, I will show you the, 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 this, this inheritance. 
We all, we all, all want to have our life matter, right? He says, I will make your name great. We, we all want to have success. I will make you a great nation. And we all want healthy relationships. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. Everything that we want in life, listen, everything you want in life is conditioned by, is impacted by, is the result of your spiritual life. Now, what's fascinating to me about that is this, is far too many of us, if we were to be honest, we put very little thought, very little energy, very little commitment into the condition of our spiritual being, our spiritual man, our spiritual woman. We, we sort of have a daily prayer time, but it's inconsistent. We, we give in a token fashion to God. We, we worship as long as the music fits the particular genre that we like and we're in the right mood. We don't gossip that much. And given the opportunity to share who Christ is in the world around us, as long as it doesn't put me at any relationship risk in my neighborhood or have any opportunity to adversely affect my financial disposition or my career path, I'm good with it. Oh, and by the way, if there's a social activity that's happening on Sunday or God forbid my kid is in a sporting event, well, God, you're going to have to take a back seat today, but I'll make it up to you later. Did I just go from preaching to stepping on toes? By the way, for those of you that have children that are that age, I will tell you this, that this room is filled with people who will tell you that if they had to do all over again, they would have had their kids in less best baseball games, less softball games, and in church more often. Because here's what we're doing, friends. We're sacrificing we're sacrificing our spiritual disposition on, on the altar of recreation, convenience, and personal advancement, failing to realize that God's plan, when we put Him first, everything else works. That's the reason why Jesus said this, what's the most important thing? Love God with all of your heart with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind. Now here's what I want to ask you to do. Just for a moment, be honest with yourself and be honest with God. In your daily life, the evidence of where your heart is and where your mind is, can you honestly say, can you honestly say this to God this morning? God, the evidence of my life reflects that I genuinely love you with all my heart. That you are my first love. More than my family, more than my friends, more than my career, more than my pocketbook, more than my retirement plan. More than, my, more than my political preference. Wow, he just went there. God, I, 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 I love you. We, we reach that point where, where we have to make a difference. 
And we make that difference by, by making a choice and moving, moving from, from lukewarm to this place of intensity where God wants us to live. Here's what I want you to know about the temperature of your life. Number one is this, you're responsible for the temperature of your life. Let me say this again, you're responsible for the temperature of your life. Your spouse is not responsible for the temperature of your life. Your parents are not responsible for the temperature of your life. Your children are not responsible for the temperature of your life. And I, as your pastor, I am not responsible for the temperature of your life. In fact, I'll let you on a little secret. The pastor doesn't even, the pastor does not determine the temperature or the intensity of the church. I, 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 I provide some leadership, but the intensity of worship is going to be determined by the body. The, the reach of the ministry is going to be determined by the body. The passion in prayer is going to be determined by the body. And God is saying, Calvary, it's time to turn up the heat. See, you're responsible for your spiritual condition. The, it says this in, in Genesis 12.1, the Lord said to Abram, the Lord said to Abram, God speaks to Abram, Abram has the responsibility to respond. And for Abram, to become Abraham and to be the man blessed by God that he was and the example of faith that he is. And for his destiny to be the father of many nations, God said this, he said, Abraham, your descendants will be as many as the sand on the seashore. But for that to come to fruition, Abraham actually had to take responsibility for his spiritual condition. Genesis 12.1, it's the point where Abram's father dies. And now Abram is, he is the man and he's responsible. And God says, okay, listen, a long time ago, I spoke a promise over your family that you would live in this land. Abram, you and your father, y'all have been camped here for far too long. Abram, it is time for you to get up and walk the path that I determined for your family generations ago. Abram, it is time for you to step forward in faith. I know this, Abraham, I know that you're going into a place that is unknown to you, but you need to trust me that as you go, that I will bless you. That's what we just read. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. It's one thing, it's one thing to know in detail, ahead of time, all that you're going to experience, every challenge you're going to face, every mountain that you have to climb, every oasis along the way that's going to refresh you. It's a whole other story when it's here. Come on, I will, I will show you where you are to go. 
But that's God's pattern, and it's God's pattern over and over and over and over again. It's this thing called faith. So God's called you to be a witness to the world around you. It will require faith. God's God's called you to put him first in every area of your life. It's It's gonna require faith. God's called you to step in to some things that at times aren't clear and even maybe downright scary. It's called faith. And you're responsible. I'm I'm responsible for my spiritual condition. I'm responsible for the spiritual temperature of my life. So the question this morning is, what will you choose? What will you choose? Because the choice that you make, it doesn't just impact you. It has a a significant ripple effect across the entirety of your life. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Every aspect of your life, and it not only will affect every aspect of your life, it'll affect the people around you. Notice in Hebrews 12.5, it says, or Genesis 12.5 rather, it says this. He took his wife, Sari, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, accumulated and all the people they had acquired in Haran. Every, he's, he's taking all, everybody with him. Now, here's what I want you to know. When you're following God, it will not always be super easy. As, as Abraham is following him, notice this. It, it, it tells us that as they walk through, Okay, verse number six, Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree uh, Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord uh, who had appeared to him. God says, listen, I'm gonna give you this land even though there are, there are people who will be in opposition to you. I'm still giving you this land. It doesn't matter that the people that are in opposition to you are still in the land. Oftentimes what we'll do is we'll focus on the problems instead of focusing on the promise and the power. Faith is focusing on the promises and the power in the midst of the problems. It gets gets even bigger. Okay, drop down to verse number 10. Now there was a famine in the land and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was so severe. The journey that God takes Abram on, it puts him in a land where there are enemies and it it puts him in a place of significant need. Let me ask you a question. Are you here this morning and you find yourself in a place where where there is opposition? all around you. Do you come into God's house this morning and you find yourself facing overwhelming need? 
And, and maybe even in the midst of it, you find yourself questioning, God, are you there? God, why is my business going through this horrific time? God, why is there a question of whether or not my job will be here next week? God, when I look at my income and I look at my bills, it, it doesn't work. Two years away from retirement and I have nothing. God, it seems like the whole world is against me. That's when the depth of our faith and our commitment to follow Him is fully realized, truly understood, revealed. It's in those moments, it's in those moments that our worship is a demonstration of faith. It's in those moments that our witness cries out the majesty of God. That our faithfulness to the stewardship that he's called us plants the greatest seeds for most significant fruit. Because it's in those moments that it's easy for us to, to step away from the plan that God has for us, for the purpose that he's called us to, the promises that he's made to us, and the passion to which he's challenged us. God, I will reconnect with you once I take care of this. God, I don't, I, don't, I don't have time to walk in obedience to that which you've instructed me right now because I'm, I'm busy with this. But God, you know my heart. You know my heart, God. The unfortunate reality is he... He does know my heart. And you know what I've discovered? I'm just, I'm just talking about me for a moment. I've discovered this, that the temperature of my heart, it doesn't just stay static. If, if I don't consistently have the fire of the Holy Spirit in my life, the temperature of my heart will quickly go from hot to tepid to, to lukewarm. I, I don't have to do anything to be lukewarm. I, I don't... 
I don't get, I don't really get drift to the cold, but, but man, I can get lukewarm. You know, I, I've thought about this scripture in Revelation. I've thought about why, why, would, why would God say that I wish you were either hot or cold? God, do you really want me to be cold? When it comes to spiritual things, God, do you really want me to be cold? But then I thought about it. You know, the, the person that's cold towards the things of God doesn't, it, doesn't affect the reputation of God or his people. Right? The person that's cold towards the things of the Spirit doesn't, doesn't affect the, the mission of God or, or the disposition that people have towards God. We recognize them as part of the mission field. We recognize them as those that are disconnected from God. Those who have a a spiritual temperature that we would say that that spiritual temperature is hot, they are consistently making a difference in the world around them. We all have those people in our life, right? You just, when you get around them, you just, you, you sense the power of God. You sense the presence of God. You sense the dynamic of God. The greatest danger to the world today, the greatest danger to the body of Christ today, is those of us who know that our passion for the things of God, what, what, what the owner's manual tells us that we're supposed to be, that we're not there, for to be honest, we're not even close, and we reason and rationalize it away. We're shallow in our understanding of God We're anemic in our faith and we're lukewarm in our spiritual disposition. That's why, that's why God says, I would prefer you either be hot or be cold. Because even the cold person, for the most part, recognizes the power of God. They may choose not to connect with it, but they can't deny it. It's those of us that live a lukewarm faith experience, a lukewarm spiritual disposition, and we've convinced ourselves that it's okay. God wants so much more for you. And he's brought you here this morning. He's had you connect via media today to say, 
It's time for you to allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to, for, for the first time, or for the first time in a long time, to turn up the heat in your heart, to turn up the heat in your soul, to turn up the heat in your life, to turn up the heat in your mind. When water goes from tepid, from lukewarm, to hot, to boiling point, at 212, it goes from water to steam. The thing about steam is this. Steam has an energy to it. It'll drive a massive locomotive. And here's what we find over and over and over again in Scripture, this principle of being transformed. And God wants to bring energy into your life. Pastor, I'm too old. You ready? You might want to write this down. I'm going to help you. I'm going to spell it out for you. B-U-L-L-C-R-A-P. Did you get that? Do you need me to repeat it? Pastor, I'm, I'm too tired. I don't think so. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount them with wings like eagles. They'll run and not go, grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. I've put, in your t- I've put in my time. Hold on. Check. Do you have a pulse? Okay. Anybody here not have a pulse? We got some medics that can help. If you have a pulse, God says you have not put in your time. If you've been around, you've heard me say this. I'm going to close with this. We live in the number seven most unchurched city in America. We live in the number four most dechurched city in America. And what I recognize in this room, I recognize this, that that there's an army right here. A life-changing army right here. And there's somebody, that, that chair that's empty next to you, There's somebody that God wants in that seat. But it's going to require your it's going to require your commitment to faith. Come follow me. I I will take you to the land that I'm going to show you. I will bless you. I will make your name great. It's his promise to you. It's a promise that only comes to fruition if we turn up the heat.
Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.